0: Well, hello once again everybody. It is maintenance day and we're back. And it's a uh, it's a beautiful thing because the, the Sabres are home. So that means we we don't have to stay up till all god's hours of the night to watch watch them play on the West Coast. Thank goodness it's over. And thank goodness uh my co-host Lance Lasowski is back from the West Coast and marginally recovered from jet lag, I guess, right Lance?
1: Yeah, it didn't took a couple of days, but back at it. Um it's always weird couple three different time zones in a week but hey glad to get the, the longest trip of the season out of the way first and uh, the the rest of them we'll see much see much quicker right yeah but yeah i was it, it,
0: they better <laughs> I, I guess i mean there's only one other really long one and that's in it's right before christmas when they go to colorado Arizona, Vegas, right? Not the
1: yeah, the California one's longer in February, but that that seems like a year away at this point. You With know,
0: all that's the like games whole... that we
1: have between now and then,
0: it's like that's a whole All Star game away from anything happening. But uh, but you know, Lance may have been jet lagged for a couple days, and so the, so might have the Sabers, I guess, because uh, well, I don't know they might have been jet lagged before they left Seattle, given uh, how that how that game played out, and then. The, uh, the return affair at home uh, somehow uh, two days later after playing in Seattle, which is weird, uh, you know, lose a tough one in Montreal. But uh, things started taking a very ugly turn on Saturday night against Chicago. But uh, things turned out to be in the correct W column for them uh, then. So uh, it's a very kind of roller coaster week. Honestly, it started it's like started off bad uh maybe a bit unlucky against Montreal and then uh a tale of two cities against Chicago really
1: <laughs> yeah i know that this week really hit fans hard uh before yes. they pulled out the comeback it was almost three consecutive losses the three backup goalies martin jones mm. montembault from montreal and of course arvid soderblom whose nhl save percentage was 850 something in his three, three appearances before Saturday night Those were last um, year. It's a different year. It's <laughs> totally. Yeah. Right.
0: Whatever. No, you can't lose I, to Harvard.
1: I know that especially even after the win, I'm sure that people will, will try to, well, there's obvious reasons to be concerned, whether it be the injuries on the blue line or the simple fact that it was really a it, it was a, a fist fight to try to get back into the game against a, a Blackhawks team that played its worst game of the season, probably. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, Joe, they had uh, on a night where a lot of things went wrong. They were, cre- you know, they got shots on goal. That's two consecutive games with 45 on that. That's something that, you know. Even in those games they were winning, they weren't getting enough opportunities, enough shots. Now the quality isn't quite there yet. They need to start getting to the slot more and start earning better chances. But you know, all the the line changes that Don Granado made in the third period, hey, it worked, and some some redemption along the way for, for certain with some of the players that ended up contributing to that win over over the Canadian, or sorry, over the Blackhawks. Yeah, it, you
0: know a different original six team. That's yeah, it's been pretty a week. putrid on uh, with the roster. Uh, yeah, it was. Boy, I, we we love Twitter. Let's.
1: Like, we love Twitter. <laughs> I don't. <laughs>
0: well, okay, it's it's a very love hate relationship with Twitter. It's probably going to become more hate as time goes on. Uh, given who the new owner is, but. Uh, there's my hot take for the week. Look out. Uh, it's, it's a it's a scorcher, but um, it but we enjoy it because it gives us a peek into the psyche of of the fans, and you know sometimes they you know, your psyche is thrown directly into our faces on Twitter, and sometimes we just see it. Uh, but what was very noticeable, uh, and I think it's very it was very noticeable for all of us that cover the team, uh, is that y- you guys don't like. Casey Middlestadt and you're really upset with Victor Olafson. You're kind of over both of them, and boy oh boy, who played a who played a really awesome game against the Chicago Blackhawks? But Casey Middlestadt and Victor Olofsson, who uh, keyed up two unbelievable goals, uh, including the game winner, which was Casey winning key faceoffs, even though they didn't win many faceoffs during the game, and then uh Olsen getting to unleash his his bomb shot a couple of times for you know once for well a couple times for a goal early in the regulation one that counted and then again in overtime where oh boy man it's it, it was it was finally like a, a good look at the the victor of old at least with the offensive work
1: yeah you know it shows that he's healthy um you know when he was off to a slow start. You didn't know what was going on, right? You know, was there something physically going on? Because even at five on five, he was better than than that last season. But mm-hmm. you know, who knows? I think some guys we've seen it across the league are impacted more by the the early season games and others, right? It's a little bit more difficult to get into a rhythm, especially when your line mates are changing in and out. Victor was started on the top line, moved down, but the shots there they had just a much in. You know, credit to Don Granato, Matt Ellis, for changing the personnel and the power play. I know that fans were losing their patience because they wanted that to happen a few games earlier. But I think the changes that they made really helped not only the first unit, but the second created opportunities for Olsen. And when Dalim's able to run the top it, like he, he did in overtime like that, good luck. good luck yeah. covering everybody. You know, and you know, Jonathan Taves commits the penalty that gives the Sabres that power play, which that was a head scratcher decision by him. Um, yeah. And hey, like Middlestead, I understand. Like, there's frustration from the fan base because he hasn't developed into the player they want him to yet. Um, you know, the injuries, his development, of course, was botched by the previous regime in a few different ways, but. You know, he's he's got six points in eight games, Joe. He's by above and beyond this team's best face guy in the face off dot right now. He's winning over fifty fifty two percent of his face offs, which isn't a small thing. He's out there at the start of overtime to win that draw, wins it, and who knows what happens if they lose that. You know, it's all about possession yeah. and overtime and He's finding ways to contribute, and I know that there was a lot of frustration in Seattle because of the offside, and I'm sure that he is even more pissed off at himself than any of the fans could have possibly been at him, so Mm -hmm. a mistake that he's got to learn from, and everybody else on that team has to learn from, but that's, you know, what? that's the type of situation where it would have been repeated in previous years, like, Mm-hmm. I remember Evan Rodriguez was notorious for skating so slow to the bench where that stuff happened, like would happen m- yeah. much more often under previous teams. Whereas now it's it's more of a blip on the radar than anything, you know. It, it's Rasmus Asplund doesn't deserve to be scratched. Um, no. Totally agree with all the the takes on that one. Not even gonna call them takes. It's it's a simple fact. You look at all the the mm-hmm. advanced stats, the ice, you know, the eye test, if that's what you want to call it. He's their best defensive forward, and when you're down three of your top six defensemen, it's tough sitting that guy. Just the Joe, I. It's not an easy situation. Who do you sit, right? Who do you sit? Right.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that that's the spot they're in, and I don't. I, I'm not gonna keep. I, I, well, maybe I will keep harping on it. I don't wanna. I don't wanna make a promise. I can't follow through on here, but I don't want to keep harping on uh, Alex Tuck telling us. I think it was after. Was it after the Florida game?
1: I think it was, yes.
0: Yeah, where he says, you know, we have 14 forwards in here that can that can play anywhere in the lineup. And it's like, okay. All right. Sure. I mean, sure. I mean you, technically true. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, you can you can put Riley Chahead on the first line you, if you want to. Like, you can do that. And, you know, he could play there. But you don't want to. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing with it. But um, but it's but they've got it's it's the part of the equation that we were we we wondered about basically from the beginning of camp and even until now that you have a lot of young guys who need the ice time to help them develop and giving them that ice time in the AHL is kind of pointless. Maybe it'll be necessary for some guys, but but it's mostly pointless because you know they've already they already they already got you know you know, A's across the board in the A and you need to play them at the NHL level to get them acclimated, to get them playing better, to get them to know where their level of play has to be and guys are going to have to sit. And it's just when it's Asplund, who is such a good defensive forward, who, you know, he's much different from, you know, say Gergensen's, who's, you know, all, you could also say is a defensive forward and even Apozo, who's very reliable defensively, what Asplund does is very different because whenever he's on the ice, now, I know the fancy stats don't really, you know, bear this out right now, but when he's on the ice, the other team doesn't really get to take too many shots.
1: Yeah. And the Sabres, Sabres haven't allowed a lot of goal and I'd five on five with Asplund on the ice this season. He can huh. play and He could play in late game situations. He hasn't been as sharp with the puck. Um, you know, with the net empty, I believe it was in Edmonton, he iced, just a bad icing call. like, And these are nitpicking situations. That's not something that's getting scratched. It, this is the situation they're in right now. Hannah Stroza has been playing well. They don't want to take him out quite yet. You're not going to sit Gergenson's or, or Ocposo. You saw Saturday night why Ocposo is not going to sit. He's, he's just mm-hmm. too valuable. So this is just – it's going to require patience from the fan base and maybe an open mind because just given the the number of young players on this team, and this is – a trend across the league where young players are in a pretty similar situation, uh, just depending on the the, the team, but they're going to have to use practice time to help develop guys, and we're just going to have to wait and see how it impacts their game getting in and out of the lineup. Now Quinn, of course, got back in against Vancouver. It was mm-hmm. a, a slower start integrating back into the lineup after a couple games out, but Joe. Played with a ton of confidence on Saturday. Quinn oh, looks yeah. really good, and again, we, the shot quality isn't there yet. He needs to find ways to get, to get to the slot to earn better to get earn better chances. But the Sabres are controlling play when he's on the ice, no matter who his line mates are, and that is certainly a, a very promising, encouraging sign for them and
0: him. Yes, he. Uh looking over his you know, the the numbers the possession numbers the expected goal numbers uh outstanding uh fifty eight point seven percent corsi four uh sixty five point seven expected goals i mean geez that's that's silly good that's silly good but you understood why he came out of the lineup to begin with because there was he didn't look right yet like it was there were little signs here and there that he was that he was doing some of the right things, but it wasn't the full package together yet. The game against Chicago looked like, okay, that's the guy. Like, that's the guy that they've been waiting to, to show up eventually. They, they knew he was going to show up this season. They knew it, like it was good. It was going to come to him and the play would follow. Uh, He looked like that guy uh, against Chicago, hands down. Uh, and there were chances. He looked uh, very confident taking the puck to the net Going into going into some of those scoring areas, not not necessarily the dirty areas, but like getting into spots where if you get him the puck, he's got a very good chance to score. And it was it was a very different type of Jack Quinn that I think we've seen all season, really, because that was that was a guy where I'm like, all right, he's that guy's going to score some goals pretty soon.
1: We saw signs of that in preseason, right? Like, especially yeah. as it picked up, he was one of their better forwards in the preseason. He was ready to go, and then regular season started, and who knows, maybe just physically or mentally hit a wall, right? Season starts, and you're kind of fighting for ice time in that, in that spot. But, you know, he's got a role in the power play now, which I think is the right move. I know fans want to see Paterka. Quinn, though, he should have had a goal in Seattle like that yeah. and that was a really great play he's very impactful yeah. on the power play now the next step for him is earning those quality chances at five on five his shot quality is not there yet it'll come especially as he, he gets into a line and, and starts to have some consistency in his game and you know stays out of the press box for a few now yeah, We'll see how they handle this rotation. Um, I'm never a fan of a situation like this when it involves young players, but I just think this is the way the league is trending, you know, like mm-hmm. especially after the Sabre signed all those young guys to play in Rochester, you look at the Amherst lineup that they use on Saturday up front. You really can't afford to put another prospect down there. Cause they're, I mean, you already have a fourth line with, Kozak, Cedarquist, I think Brett Burry, and it's like, you know, how do you get ice time and opportunity for everybody? I just don't think that Krebs or anybody like that would benefit from going down there.
0: Yeah, and I think Kisikov sat out Saturday. I don't know if that was an I, I don't know if that was an injury thing or not, but he, I think he sat out Saturday's game. Yeah. Uh, if I if I remember seeing that correctly. Now, bring us bringing up Quinn is probably going to get people to be like. You know who he plays with, right? And it's like, yeah, I play with Middlestat and Olafson. It's like, you know how they're good now, right? Yeah, I know how they're good now. I get it. Like, don't you think you know why they're good now? And it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, I get it. Quinn's Quinn's really good. But if you got a guy that can pick up two guys, isn't that good? If yeah. if, if one guy can bring out the better play of other guys on his line, isn't that good too? Isn't that what Dylan Cousins has been doing? Kind of, you know, for a good chunk of the season and last year too. I mean. I I don't know if I'm creating a verbal Steph Curry here, but, um, but it's, but I mean, this is, you know, if this is the thing that works out though, that the, the Sabres reap all benefits of it because it's everything Don's done with, you know, kind of tweaking lines and, and, and doing things is, and he's made it very clear. He's trying to figure out, find what works. And, and when you find what works, go with it. And if it doesn't work, you can change it. But, go with what is working out for you. And it seems that, you know, Middlestat and Olsen are, are the duo, I guess, because, you know, Olsen wasn't working out with Thompson and Skinner. Uh, but there's a little something there with Middlestat. but, uh, but if Quinn's the guy that is the juice that keep that gets that guy, gets that line going, boy, oh boy, that's nice. Cause you know, cause Paterka and cousins have it and whether it's Henestrosa or, you know, some, maybe somebody else gets into that line, then, We'll see, but uh, but getting things figured out like that is what is what the whole season's about, man. Especially for the young guys,
1: they finally have the depth to to roll more than one line. You know, in, pre- in previous right. seasons, this was this was a one line team. It started to change, you know, in the second half of last season once they got healthy, once Cousins really took steps in his game. But now they they don't have to be wedded to one configuration on that top line. And you have to you have to like the way that Granado approaches it. If he doesn't like what he sees during a game, he's gonna go with feel. And that was very much what he turned to Saturday against Chicago when he put Kyle Okposo at that top group. Yeah. Okposo was having a great game, a get hard on the four check. And that top line before Okposo moved up there too many, you know, they would carry the puck in and just too many wasted possessions, just quick, mm-hmm. maybe a quick shot on net, and they just had to, to work for it. And if you are the coach, Joe, do you stick with the lines that fin- they finished the game with Saturday? Do you go back with Tuck on the top line? How do you approach it? Because you have – it's pretty intriguing when you see a second line with J.J. Paterka, Dylan Cousins, and Alex Tuck.
0: Yeah, that – that's a line I would like to see more of, but I don't think you and I don't think it's it's really in Don's playbook to to do that. To, you, know, you end one game with it and then you start the next one with, with what worked. He's that's a Phil Housley trait. That was something yeah. we'd see from Phil all the time. If something worked late in the game, he's like, All right, let's start the next game with it. Don strikes me more as a guy that's gonna be like, All right, let's go back to what you know what what normally works, and then if it doesn't work we'll make that adjustment again, but you're right. That was a feel move putting, you know, I mean, listen, you know, Kyle's had that role before in his career. It's not like it's a foreign, a foreign thing for him, but Kyle against Chicago was, that was, that was old school Kyle, man. That was, I mean, he a couple of times he dangled to create an opportunity. And it's like, when was the last time I saw Kyle dangle anybody? Like, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, generated some scoring chances on his own while playing with, with Gergensons and, uh, and Krebs, which those two guys had a, had a bit of a rough game, but listen, uh, if, I mean, if Kyle's going again on Monday against Detroit or today, today's Monday, right? We're recording oh, this they, on Sunday. So yeah, <laughs> it's, just go with it guys. Okay. It's fine. Uh, but you know, but if Kyle's going again, I don't see why you, why you wouldn't do that except you know, Tuck's going to come back with a better game like that. That's the main thing is that, you know, I don't expect Tuck to have two stinkers in a row or two rough games. I can't call it a stinker. It just wasn't wasn't the normal Tuck that we're used to seeing. But um, but at least now, you know, like now he knows because he knows Olafson doesn't work with those two. So that, that that that's out. But now he knows Kyle can work with those two. So that's an option. So it, knowing, knowing you have those options and, and knowing what works in, you know, in your back pocket is a huge benefit for the coach to know that because you you can stick with what normally w- what works 85% of the time. But for that 15% of the time, it doesn't work. You can make that little switch and then maybe, you know, the fortunes change.
1: Yeah. hey, He showed kind of I post chemistry with those other two. If you moved him up to the top line. You like the look of the groups, but then you look at your fourth line and eh, you don't have that defensive minded fourth line. that can really, really make it difficult on teams. You need a heavier presence down there. And that's why Kyle and and Zemgis Gergensen's work so well together. But you're right. Hey, you, you need that other option. And before Saturday night, it was tuck. And then who else could have stepped up there and you would have a a sense of what they could bring. Olsen, mm-hmm. it didn't work out. It was really just tuck. So the more options you have, the better. And we'll see what um, where asplin slots in, and really where they go from from here, Joe. But the changes on the power play, um, you know, it really you, you have to you have to like just what they're getting out of all of their, well, really all of their forwards. Right mm-hmm. now. Right. It's if somebody has a bad game and I'm going to throw away Seattle right now, that was yeah. at the end of an eight game trip. But for the most part, hey, it's it's trending in the right direction. And, you know, Dylan Cousins mm-hmm. is another one that probably I know we talked a lot about him in preseason, but you know, mm-hmm. where all the advanced stats look for him and his ability to really pick guys up like Paterka is going to have those rookie games where he's going to need Dylan Cousins to do the dirty work. And Cousins is certainly delivering yeah no he's he's
0: absolutely delivering they've had a they've had a little bit of bad luck uh when it comes to goals against them when they're on the ice which yeah is probably a good thing they have don granado coaching them as opposed to maybe ninety percent of every other head coach in the league because if you're on ice for more goals against than your your line scoring your your line is probably either getting broken up benched or both. Because that, you know, it's always the what have you done for us lately kind of thing. And if the last thing that happens is you're walking off the ice with a minus, then, you know, the coach is going to be like, well, I guess it's not working. But Dylan Cousins works like <laughs> he's, his, his, his possession numbers are outstanding. The only guy that's ahead of him with, you know, has enough games played all parts to K- Kale Clegg, who is who's taking the uh, right now, the Dalton Smith award for greatest uh, fancy stats in a one game <laughs> sample uh, granted with like, probably like six times little, minutes. It's as, a, as little, bit <laughs> <laughs> a like, little bit more ice time than Dalton. But like, but I mean, Quinn's the only guy ahead of him in the possession stats at five and five and cousins is number two. Darlene's three. Like that all checks out. That all makes every bit of sense possible. And yeah. I mean, it's, you I mean, listen, it, it's, it's almost like it was last season with Quinn where he's doing all these great things and a lot of it might not get noticed, but it's, 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 it's happening. Like it's coming and he's got, I mean, he's got three goals. He's got five points. Like still work, you know, it's, it's, and he's, he's taking care of business with his line. I mean, he's still great at taking the, the, the puck into the zone. It, it, all the things that he does well are he's doing a little bit better this season.
1: Yeah, and deserves and probably deserves even more offensive output. I mean, he had the short here in that shorthanded breakaway against Chicago. I, and the ice looked terrible last night, so he fumbled the puck. Yeah, like I just the I, I don't know if it was because of Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart was in town on Friday, right? And so they covered the ice like. The ice did not look good for the first couple of periods of that game. It was no. it was on both sides where there were a couple of plays like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean with, with the zamboni doors is not helpful either. What cousins? <laughs> yeah, good point. What what cousins is doing at special teams too? Like he's just adding different layers to his game. Where I think the the breakout is is inevitable for him. Where it's just going to start becoming easier and easier. But uh, they have to feel really good with where his game is at. And Joe. Saturday was a big one for Tage Thompson. Mm-hmm. Signed the $70 million extension. Uh, a lot of pressure to repeat what he did last season. Started a little slow in terms of goals. The chances were there, though. In, I think in Calgary, he had a couple of breakaways where he missed the net. I know there was another one in Edmonton, right? Like, You could just tell he was gripping the stick a little bit. Um Don Granado would acknowledge as much, talk to Thompson again before the game on Saturday, and look what mm-hmm. Tage was able to do. Um fought through it and finished a couple of really, really good chances that were created by his line mates.
0: Yeah, and it was it wasn't the normal Tage Thompson goals with a you know a snipe from from maybe the half wall or the circle or you know, right you know, right in the middle of the slot, just you know, snapping one off and and beating the goalie. This was Tage Thompson <laughs> I guess it was the Tage Thompson that past coaches thought would be the Tage Thompson, the guy who's going to who's going to, you know, get around people down low and score score those goals in you know right in front of the net using his size to get around. Now, the first goal he used kind of used his size on. The second goal was him slipping back door and Jeff Skinner making an unbelievable pass to find him for I mean, it was a tap in when it, when it got to Thompson. But that's uh but like I mean, listen if you're, if he's causing defenses to have to get, you know, to have to like chase him around the zone, it's kind of nice. It's kind of a nice bonus to have. But he, uh, I mean, yeah, he's, he had been stressing. He had been stressing pretty hard about not scoring. I mean, listen, how, how do you not stress after signing that contract? Like that's it's just natural. Um, But I mean, hey, listen, maybe it maybe it was those my birthday's coming powers that that showed up for Tage because because I mean, it was uh, that was a very inspired performance in the third period. That was a that was that was him and that group saying, like, we are not losing to these guys because these guys friggin stink out loud. (laughs) We are not losing to them. Especially when Pat, you know, Pat, Pat Kane's got his, you know, half his crew from South Buffalo hanging out, watching them. And yeah, it's, uh, that was, that was some very cool stuff. And Kyle Opozo complimented as well after the game. He goes, it's nice to see the big guy score some goals within six inches of the net.
1: Yeah. And not to oversimplify it, it was just one of those nights where your top guys need to be your top guys. Mm-hmm. Well, when, when the goals are difficult to come by, you need someone who's going to get you not an easy one, but it's going It's going somebody you can count on, right? And right. when you're paying Tage Thompson, Jeff Scanner, and hey, hey, Kylock Poso as well. You know, when you're making that much money and you're you're in prominent roles on the team, whether it be on the ice or off of it, your teammates need you to stop up because it was one of those games where I thought it was gonna get away from them. After that after Chicago pulled ahead by two and Bloom was just he was just having one of those great. games, right? You see it from goalies. He was, yeah. he was playing great. No zero rebounds allowed. His glove hand was just spectacular. He was just just snatching every puck out of the air that came toward them. They found a way, though, right? They found a way, and. Uh, it all started with the top line. What do you think about Jeff Skinner, Joe? Because I know that it's only inevitable once we start hearing right. fans with the lack of goal scoring um, <laughs> raise issue with that. Because you see the plays that he made in the third period last night where, of course, he doesn't he doesn't get the goal, but he did right. a lot of that dirty work and gets too assessed in the third period. Uh,
0: before I mention Skinner, I just want to say Arvid, Arvid Soderblom kind of putting the glove out there a few times early. I was like, I was very surprised he wasn't run at some point just, or jostled by somebody from Buffalo at some point. Cause guys really love it when goalies snatch it and then kind of hold it up there for you to see they, that nothing will cheese guys off faster than that. But, (laughs) uh, um, but with Skinner, I mean, listen, it it's natural. As soon as, as soon as the spotlight moves off of one guy who isn't scoring, it goes immediately to the next guy in line. And Skinner, I mean, spotlight was kind of half on him already. You know, the the goal against Montreal kind of cooled it off a little bit because he's streaky because he gets one. You figure, well, you know, I mean, I figure anyways, there's going to be a bunch to follow. But uh, but last night, being an assist guy, I mean, yeah, you're paying him to score goals. You know what assists are, though. They're goals for somebody else. Like, that's it's still offense being generated for your team. So I'm... I'm okay with it. If he turns into Joe Thornton where he's he's scoring 10 goals and, you know, putting up 70 assists. Well, I I guess that'll be fine. But, um, but I mean, listen, I, the goals are going to come for him. He's shooting 5% right now. One, one out of 20 of his shots this season have gone in. So it's not going to be 5% all year. If it was, that's the, that would be the worst season he's ever had percentage wise. So I'm not sweating him out at all. Chances are going to come. There's been a little bit of weird, uh, not like not like having the yips, but just a little bit of like a little bit of Tommy Boy hockey, where he gets the puck and he's got like a one on one, and he's kind of like,
1: uh, what do I do? What do I do? I
0: don't know what I'm gonna do here. I'm gonna, you know, turn my back to him, maybe fake him out, maybe do this, and then you know, the puck hops off his stick, or he gets poked away, or, or you know, everybody or the D catches up to him, so. Um, but I'm not sweating Skinner yet. Like, I'm just, I'm just not, I just, we, we've seen, we know he's an established, this should all be established knowledge by now, what he, what he's like. And besides, uh, unfortunately I think this year is what is supposed to be one of the down years for scoring. Well, I mean, he made up for two years of not scoring last year, but, um, but if you go by the pattern, I think that would make it make this year to be the down year, but I don't know. I'm not no i am not no. You can't get me to you can't get me to start a witch hunt for Jeff Skinner right now.
1: The shot quality is there. Uh, ranks ranks third on the team in individual shot quality at five on five. He has sixteen shots on goal at five on five, Joe. Zero mm-hmm. goals at five on five. That is not going to continue. No. No. He he has too much talent, too much skill to put the puck back in the net. And with the system that they're running, with Granado as the coach, there's going to be patience and intent to make sure that that guy's put in a position to succeed mm-hmm. right this isn't yeah. th- this isn't this isn't the previous the previous coach the previous roster now Who's now that guy? it is very I'm not even gonna mention it I'm gonna try to get I'm gonna try to get through the episode Joe that listen, is my, listen, we, we, my have, we have Halloween <laughs>
0: principles to stick to okay we uh, you had role. to
1: do it didn't you <laughs> yeah, you just had to do it Oh, it's Um, it's right there. It's hanging out there. I had to hit it out of the park. He's going to have every opportunity. And, like, I can't imagine the pressure that was under him when you're, you know, under the previous coach, um, get moved up and down the lineup. That's just not the way Granado does stuff. So only a matter of time. And here's a a random factoid for you. You know, as we talk about the forward rotation and what's what, um, which forward on the Sabres Okay. Which forward? Or who leads the Sabres among all Fords in five-on-five five ice time? Five-on-five
0: five ice time? Mm. Yes, sir. See, I have my natural stat tab right there, and I'm not looking at it right Don't now. Don't do it. At least I'm not, no, I'm not going to. And I'm glad the, the little one window that when you hover over the tab isn't big enough to read it. Uh, forward. Hmm.
1: Five on five? This isn't even a topic, it's just honestly a random factoid, because I I was surprised when I saw it as well.
0: Uh I'm just checking down the list of guys that have <laughs> that have played every game. It's it's gotta be it's got it is it Olsen?
1: It's JJ Paterka. What he leads he leads all Sabres forwards in five on five ice time. Wow yeah wow yeah i mean he doesn't have a role in the power play so they're clearly making there's an intent there to keep him involved but when you look at individual high danger chances for he ranks fourth on the team he's only behind thompson skinner and cousins so he continues to produce and um going to be tough to take that kid out of the lineup with the way that he's playing, even on those down nights, right? Like he is making the type of plays that are drawing attention. He's going to learn what he can get away with and what he can, you not know, There were a couple of passing, like passing plays against Chicago where he, he forced things leads to a turnover, which you're not going to get away with, you know, especially with, you know, Pittsburgh coming into town Wednesday, a pretty, I would think upset penguins team after the way their Western Canada trip went. Um, yeah. I, Again, like with Paterka and Cousins, that is just such a an interesting duo to monitor with their speed and you know it's and again you have so many options on who you could put on their right wing. Like even even like Acquafuso would would be an interesting little fit there, guy who can do the dirty yeah. work and create some space for those two guys. Yeah,
0: and I mean listen, I think I think Cousins is a guy that can just have chemistry with
1: anybody. Yeah, yeah he's really.
0: it's, he's not not exactly like the Swiss Army knife, but. I mean she's we, we saw him get a uh, get a little peek on, with the first line uh, one of those games was it Florida no I don't think it was Florida maybe
1: uh, it might it have up. been yeah it's it, it almost had to have been either that or Seattle to be honest yeah. so, Seattle yeah. was such a disaster you know that was yeah, just just, a mess. It, it
0: it was it for any for a veteran team that's a burn the tape game but for a team that young it's like okay here's everything that we did bad pay attention to it file away in your mind we're not going to watch any more video of it because i don't want to put the idea in your head that you know you that that's a way to play but uh but yeah it's you I, i'm struck but if because the skinner you mentioned skinner 16 shots at even strength without a goal yeah and he's a guy that only scores even strength usually in his career and the one goal he has is on the power play and you know it's you know that's certainly something for him. You know he's measured his whole career in goals.
1: So, you know it's, Oh, Joe. Yeah. No, don't do it. That's don't, right. Don't quote him. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's one of the
0: most insane quotes of
1: I mean, yeah, it was. It's just incredible. Like
0: it was like a milestone goal to, or it was his first one of that season. It's like, well, that's certainly
1: something for him. But what? Dude. Yeah. Come on. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> right. Yikes. <laughs> oh my Maybe god. Maybe don't throw your second highest paid player under the bus. That's not how the league it's works anymore. Too late. He, he did that by putting him on a
0: line with Vlad Saboka and Marcus Johansson. That's that was noted center yeah <laughs> yes marcus yeah. johansson i love i love mojo but he was not he was he had stopped being a center in 2014 that's that's where that train stopped that i think that's enough i think that's enough bad favorite
1: history <laughs> for right now let's get let's, let's do uh, a deep dive on a random game from the 2019-20 <laughs> season pull it out joe what are the deep there's john Gil- john gilmore on the back end Ooh. yeah Good pull, right? I like John yeah. Gilmore. What a great guy! I hope he's doing well. I think he was in the KHL last I checked. So I I, yeah, I think yeah, I think he jumped to the K. Good, really good guy. Yes. Um,
0: see, I wish you were around for the first cup, like the 13-14 season, so we could crack Matt D'Agostini jokes.
1: Yeah, like I really wish I was like, well, part of me wishes I was around was around. Other, you know, part of me also <laughs> is thankful that I didn't have to experience some of that. Um. It's funny to look back at the names, right? Um, over the years, the the different depth defensemen they've had to call up. I remember 2018-19, they traded Taylor Fudu, and like a week later, they were going to need him, and then they just, <laughs> of course, the calamity started. So and didn't
0: they didn't they play him in Dallas like two weeks later? Was yeah, it, Dallas. Yeah, Dallas played game pretty well for the later.
1: Stars that season too, and I think they only sure, got yeah. like a sixth or seventh round pick out of that deal. Um, nah, that's fine. So I know we're not going to go too much into the, into the D because it's a topic we hit on last week. Nothing has changed with Matias Samuelson and, yeah. and Henry Yokiharu. They're going to be out. Well, we'll see about Yokiharu. Obviously, Samuelson, it sounds more like several weeks at this point, which, mm-hmm. honestly, that's best-case scenario considering what we all saw on the ice in Vancouver. Oh, but understand. you look at – so they brought up Cale Clegg. They brought up Lawrence Pilot. Those two are in the lineup. Casey Fitzgerald, I I think, is – you know, he's had some really good moments. Um, you know, I think that he's showing that he's a very valuable, like, sixth, seventh guy who's going to rotate in the lineup. We'll see where his uh, his trajectory takes him, Joe. But, you know, we talked about in camp and, of course, over the summer how this team addressed its need for defense depth, you know, with the guys on two-way deals. Suddenly, though, not only are they have injuries in the NHL, but Chase Prisky is is out in Rochester. You got mm-hmm. Peter Tishke, who's not on an NHL deal, but still, like it's it's a defense when they lost. So Rochester brings back Brandon Davidson. Welcome home from Russia, Brandon. Yeah. And then uh yeah, Matt Barkowski on on PTOs. And so right now they only have th- two different guys they can call on who are on NHL deals in Rochester, Jeremy Davies and Oskari Laxinen, which I don't see Laxinen getting mm-hmm. a call up anytime soon, Joe. So the Sabres chose not to to trade for Ethan Bear. We all know now it probably would have cost a, a mid-round pick and a AHL player. Who knows who they, they would have wanted. Um, right. What do you think about that decision now that we see that Labushkin is probably more day-to-day than anything? That sounds like they're just being cautious. And what kind of – I just – I look around the league, Joe, and I just don't know how many options there really are at this point in the season – that are going to fit what Kevin Adams wants to give up. You know, he he said it. He doesn't want to give up any sort of asset to get a defenseman. They they seem to think that Yoki Haru and Samuelson aren't going to be out long enough to justify such a move. Yeah, it's uh
0: it's not a great spot to be in. It's it it stinks, honestly, cuz I mean, like, you know, what can you do? They they did everything they could to prepare for potential not uh, A potential injury outbreak uh i don't think they i don't think you intend for you can prepare for an injury outbreak at both levels of your teams where some you know the guys that you think you can use in a call-up situation one of those guys goes down like you can't you can't properly prepare for that i nate nate geary asked me that about that on on wgr on saturday and Uh, I, he's, he's like, don't you think they should have, you know, maybe added another veteran defenseman. I was like, I don't know how many more you want them to add. Honestly, (laughs) like, you know, you sign Labushkin you sign, you know, those three guys that you're intending to go to Rochester, but if you needed them in Buffalo in a pinch, that's great. But now it's a, it's a bigger pinch, you know, with, with Samuelson out. And then, you know, if Labushkin's out for, I mean, if it, if it's a nagging thing, I suspect he was playing through it, uh, in Vancouver and Seattle. I don't, I don't doubt that for a second. Um, but if it's just a, you know, if it's just a management kind of thing, then like, you know, okay, ride it out. Make sure he doesn't get, it doesn't get, it's not, he can't be put in a situation where he gets hurt worse. That's, that's the main thing. Like if it's just like a nagging sort of like bone bruise kind of thing, then all right, you know, you know, put your shot blockers on your, on your skates and go to town. But, um, but it's, you, know, you can't prepare for this. The, the Ethan bear thing. I mean, man, I, I was, I was, I was kind of calling for them to make a run at bear in the off season. I think I was saying, uh, because, because you could, I mean, I think even Ethan bear read the writing on the wall that, uh, the way Carolina opted, you know, operated, you know, signing defensemen this summer was kind of like, well, where does he fit in? it's kind of like not in the top six. So you're paying them top six money. So you can't just have that guy sitting on the bench all the time, especially when you're cap, you know, your cap strap, but, um, it does, you know, the, 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 the deal that got him, that got that, that got that trade done did make me wonder though, if Anders Bjork for Ethan bears, is, the, is the move that works, but then and people would probably be like, yeah, you make that trade right now. It's like, okay, cool. But you get a couple of guys hurt, you know, a couple of forwards hurt. Then who are you calling up from? Who are you calling up from Rochester? That's gonna that's going to help out. You know, it's, it's, you know robbing you know what is it robbing peter to pay paul it's like one of those kind of things you know yeah
1: and once everybody's healthy if you would have let's say you acquire ethan bear you're losing a defenseman on waivers you're probably losing casey fitzgerald unless you're keeping 13 forwards as opposed to 14 then you might lose riley Shea in or uh, Mm oh it's in plus joe if they if they didn't want to give up a player which who knows i mean it sounded like Kevin Adams didn't want to give up anything. They are already at 43 contracts. The limit's 50, but you want a good cushion there. You don't want to be too close to 50. You know, you got to give yourself flexibility to acquire players at the deadline if you're in a position to. It, it's just one of those many layers to the conversation. Uh, I I think they did a good job in the offseason, right? There was no way you could have planned to lose three out of your top six so, soon to the, so early into the season, in addition to. Chase Prisky a guy that would be on this team right now. I think he would have been first call up, if not second. Right shot. The, pan, the Florida Panthers thought very highly of him, right? He was their, essentially their seventh defenseman last season. And I think he would have fit really well, see when he comes back. I think that that's probably another piece of this. They think that, okay, well, Prisky's not going to be out for long. If we need another person, we can call him up. This team doesn't operate the same, though, without Samuelson and Yoki Haru. No matter who you trade for, I don't think that's going to fix what you lost there. Ethan Bear, I like the player, but he would have to come into a new system, new team, new defense partner. Is he ready to play top four minutes? No. He wouldn't be ready to play top four minutes. He probably wouldn't be for a while. So I'm not making that move quite – I wouldn't make that move quite yet. I just don't think that he's going to properly replace Yoki Aru, and Samuels. And we saw this team is not nearly as deadly on the rush. They're not getting those rush chances as often without those two t- those two additional defensemen who can move the puck you know, very efficiently out of the out of the defensive zone. They win puck battles a lot more often. You know, I like I like Pilot. I like Clegg. Those are good depth options, but there's um, there's obvious there's holes in their game that have them playing where they are at this point in their careers. Yeah, that's I mean that's the thing. You're not you're
0: not going to you're not filling holes
1: with with guys that you're
0: like, "Okay, yeah. we're good with this for a long time." Like, no, you're you're just not. You're looking for somebody. It's it's the meme of sla- slapping a sticker over a, you know, a leak. You know, it's, it's it's you know, there there's there's a big old leak and you're just kind of like, "This'll stop it." And you're just trying to hold it for a little while until guys come back. You mentioned the 50 contract thing, and that immediately got me over to cap friendly to, to look and there's three teams who are at 50. One is the Toronto Maple Leafs, who the Sabres are probably never trading with. Uh, the second one is the Vegas Golden Knights, who I can't imagine they're, they would be excited to trade <laughs> with the Sabres again. Although a lot of their guys are on ELCs, and they don't have a lot of veteran depth on D. So yeah. forget that one. And there's the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs>
1: don't I, do it, Joe.
0: <laughs> I am not going to push the Risto button, because that button is no, that, that button's <laughs> broken. It was broken many years ago. But, uh, you know, they, they, they've got, the, you know, the Torts has his guys, you know, at the NHL level right now. And f- hey, listen, full credit to Philly. They're playing pretty, uh, they're playing very resistant right now. I can't say they're playing good, but they're playing resistant and they're playing Torts hockey. So fine, whatever. But you look at what they got in Lehigh Valley and there's a couple veterans right there who they're not answers, but. Would you – now, this is you. Now, I'm making you the GM right now. Sorry, Kevin Adams. making Lance the GM for a hot second here. Would you pull the trigger to add Kevin Connaughton or Louis Belpedio
1: as a stopgap? No. What I would do is I would call the Flyers and say, hey, do you want to move Justin Braun yet? Because they're going to move him. He's on an expiring deal. Yeah. um, On an expiring deal, and not only do they have those – older guys in lehigh valley they also have some some prospects you know ronnie at or you got cam york you you got some guys who are going to be nhl defensemen now does torts want them in the nhl yet i'm sure torts doesn't but that's not entirely his call his management ready to to give one of those guys an opportunity because braun 35 years old you know had a pretty decent season you know especially when you look at the advanced stats last year he's okay you know Mm -hmm. for one million dollars the rest of the year um you know you carry eight once once everybody gets back and you know, it's not like he would cost you very much uh, right. i just i'm sure that torts doesn't want to move a player like that though then you look at pittsburgh another another team that has a surplus on d joe but like i look at marcus petterson somebody they've been reportedly trying to move for well it seems like a couple of years like now three years now it feels like he's yeah. got two two additional years on his deal after this one not at four point zero two five. Not a guy you're gonna trade for. No. And there are two depth options that you know might be available: Chad Ruiedel.
0: Hey, old friend alert, everybody. Chad Ruiedel. And
1: and Pierre and and Pierre Olivier Joseph, who is only twenty three years old and certainly not the kind of player the Sabres are looking for at this moment. No. Yeah, you know, I mean,
0: Ruido will be fascinating but i i mean he's been in pittsburgh what four or five years now it seems
1: yeah and they have him on a very team they got him at a really good number i mean he's only making 800k for the next Mm -hmm. two so like there's, there's just not a lot of options out there and ethan bear as much as offensively you like what he What he brings, there's a reason why Rod Brindamore had him scratched. Just defensively, it's not good enough. And if it's going to be chaos with a player like that, well, you have already kind of dealing with that situation with the the plug-and-play guys you you have in-house who already know your system. So I just think Mm -hmm. that that's probably where they stood. Bears an RFA at the end of the year, so it's not like he can completely cut ties and. Right. You know, then you're forced to move him. If he doesn't play well, you're kind of in a tough spot there. So that's why I just don't think, you know, in the end it made it made sense for the Sabres to pull a trigger on that one.
0: Did you uh, Did peek who the Penguins have in the minors?
1: <laughs> They've, they have a, a really, like, interesting group in Wilkes-Barre right now. On D? Yes. Well, they got Ty Smith, and they got Mark, Mark Friedman as another one they might be interested in moving. Oh, you're talking about Taylor Fadoon, though. That's right, baby. Yeah. Taylor
0: Fadoon. Bring yeah, back like Mark.
1: Year. Mark Friedman is one that I I wondered if they would move, but again, he's he's got a two year deal. Do you really want somebody like that on a two year deal? And he started to really struggle in Pittsburgh once he got more playing time. Well, mm-hmm. Taylor yeah. doing yeah, I think he's their captain down there.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, be, I, I did not look at the stats I, I was not looking at the stats i was merely looking at cap friendly just because i was i just need to know who guys are on nhl contract i don't care about the rookie or the ahl contract guys apologies to ahl contract guys you know no offense rude yeah i know I'm, listen
1: no not a jerk man I'm like what do you want from me uh but um you can call the tech you can call the dallas stars and ask of will butchers Available. He's in the, the AHL for them. So you want to well, run it back with Will. That, I mean, that one fan we saw
0: in a Will Butcher jersey at one of the games <laughs> this year would probably be pretty happy. I think it was the Montreal game. The camera cut to a guy wearing a, wearing a Will Butcher jersey, which, wow, man. Okay, cool. Like,
1: it would have I been mean, awesome I, if it was like a Will Butcher jersey that he had made when Butcher was a free agent and <laughs> and you know, <laughs> considering the Sabres is one of his teams and someone jumped the gun, you know, maybe right. like a, maybe a, G, a Jimmy VC jersey from the first time around when he was a free agent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, now you got me looking at the uh, Wilkes-Barre Penguins stats and their
1: leading scorer
0: is Alex Nylander, everybody. Four goals, three assists. That's yeah. Taylor Fadoon, eight games, no points though, so I don't know.
1: That's it's going to be tough disturbing. to make a move like right now. I mean, Don Granato touched on it Saturday. He's going to have to just do. More, they're doing a lot more coaching in between games because you got to get Clay yeah. and, and Pilot up to speed. You know, in and, and yeah. some ways Fitzgerald as well, since he didn't start the year on the PK, and you just you add different responsibilities. And it's not ideal that Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power lost their D partners at what two weeks into the season. Yeah. Yeah, Dali makes it look easy when he has a different partner, but with Owen Power, it's a much bigger adjustment. Y- Yoki you seemed to be a really nice stabilizer for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and listen, this,
0: this I think this is a point of the show where we have to give Jacob Bryson some yes, some because uh, again, another guy kind of disliked by Twitter. I can't say hated, but definitely unfairly, not. unfairly criticized. I think. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's a fair way to put it, but. I mean, listen. Is he gonna is he gonna be a Norris guy? No. Is he gonna be is he supposed to be a top four guy? No. Like that's that's not the role he's. This is not the role he was meant to be playing right now. It's just there in that spot. But he's doing okay. He's doing fine. I mean, he's again he's on the ice for you know he's been on the ice for most goals against uh well him and power for most goals against at five and five. Okay. Right? You know, whatever. Okay, fine. Like, it's it's fine. But, you know, his possession numbers are good. 53% percent Corsi 4 I don't know what the the XC... Expect the goals at. Come on. Bad eyes, bad eyes, bad eyes, bad eyes. 52... 52 52.7. Okay. Like... Yeah. yeah, He's... It's fine. It's it's probably above what you'd expect from him. So, I... I got no issues with Bryson, man. Like, he's just he he ha- he doesn't have the tools that like any of the tools that really wow you. You know, he doesn't have like a big shot, he's not a big hitter. Just a he's really not. good skater,
1: smart. Right. Good, really skater. good skater, smart player.
0: Right. Like and there's there's roles for guys like that. I mean, that's why you got a nice you got a nice little contract. You know, a nice you know, nice raise in the off season because he can play well. You know, guys that don't play well don't get a don't get a you know, their salary basically doubled. Uh, you know, in an off season, like that's, you know, usually if, if you if you didn't play well, you're probably getting the same contract offered to you. And it's like, take it or just, you know, we'll find another place for you. But um, but I mean, he's been fine. Like, I don't know it's, it's one of those things. I, I, and I don't know if it's just because the expectations are set so high for, for what they want, what people want the defense to be, because you have Daly and you have power and you have Samuelson. But I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's it, it, Bryson's. He's a third pair defenseman, flat out. Like you don't, you you don't necessarily want to have him on your second pair. You, you you don't want him on your first pair. But but if he's tagging along with Rasmus Dalene, you're fine with it because Dalene is taking care of business. So I, you know. It's fine, but I, I I don't know. I have I have very few issues with how Bryson's played. Uh, it's it can be very easy to nitpick, you know, looking at you know m- you know a misplay here or there. But listen, it, it, every coach will say it, and Granado will say it all the time. Mistakes are made every game by every player in the NHL, and these are the best players in the world. Like stuff's gonna happen. It's just a matter of moving on from it. I think Bryson's been pretty good at, you know, if he's, if there's been a mistake or if he's made a mistake, he's been pretty good about not making it
1: again. His game is, has really taken significant strides since he first showed up in the NHL, right? Like there's just yeah. a lot more confidence defensively. He's better on the four check better, like winning more clock battles. He's versatile. He could he could play left or right side. so, he could play first pair, second pair, third player. You know, of course, you mentioned it. Like, first pair on the road would, would be tough. You know, first pair at home, though, you, you, you could pick your matchups. and you're playing next to Rasmus Dallin. Bryson could certainly move the puck and, and really help you play with the pace that you need to. Um, really valuable guy. And, you know, it's just showing, like, they're going to need to start building their D pipeline because it's just – you look yeah. around the league, Joe, and you just – you need to go 10 deep. You might even need to go deeper than that nowadays with the injuries, just the wear and tear that position has on on guys. You don't want to be caught in a spot where you don't have enough, and you don't want to be caught in a spot every offseason where you have to come and you have to sign guys to the puck holes. Right now, they're just going to have to adjust. They're going to have to adjust to figure out a way to, to break the puck out cleaner and, and really get back to their offensive game you know, especially with the rush, right? We're not seeing as many rush chances with, the, with their deep pairs one through three no. created all, on great breakout passes. Like we were the, before all these injuries. So Clegg, Hey, I mean the final numbers are pretty good. I think it's what his course. 4% was over 70% against Chicago. Yeah. So, yeah. um, defensively is his, that's, that's obviously the one area where he's going to have to clean things up. And you know, this it's why he ended up on a two-way contract and hasn't pr- really been able to break into a full-time role in the NHL quite yet. So see how he adjusts, right? And and pilot. These are, these are his first NHL games in two and a half years. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. that ain't easy. You know, the KHL is a little bit different than the NHL, and you know they're sort of easing him into it. But hey, they gotta. I'm sure Kevin Adams is hoping and praying that Yoki Haru's back in practice this coming week. And hey. I know Yoki is an easy one to pick on I know yeah. certainly fans like pick on him. Mm-hmm. Pretty good player, right? He's not, yeah. you know, he's not elite. He's not elite, uh, but he's certainly an NHL defenseman, someone who helps them get, get to their game and much more so than, you know, these plug and play guys do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, it, And
0: you know, listen, we like Henry. I know, do. Like, Henry's a Henry, nice guy. I mean, he's a good kid. <laughs> You love that good kid. Loves the game. The you know the whole thing, the 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 Phil Castle thing. But he, uh, I mean, I, I I get it. And again, it, I I just I just think it, it's a lot of folks just have sharper knives for certain for some players, just because whether it's their own expectations or what you want out of a guy in that position. Now, if they had, if they were able to acquire another right defenseman that is better than him, would he like? Would that be better? Of course, it would be. Don't be ridiculous, but I mean, listen, they're not, they're not out. You're not out hunting that guy right now. You're just, you're, you're just not. And you know, you mentioned building up the defensive pipeline. That's kind of what they are doing with the last, you know, the last couple, you know, the last couple drafts really, I mean, drafting, you know, Komarov and uh, Lindgren and Novikov and.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm talking first, sure. Like those are, those are great um especially yeah. Novikov wow um he's a guy who could play in the NHL I don't know if he ever will but yeah you know next this next draft I think you gotta you gotta target one that's higher whose development track is a little bit shorter to the NHL than someone like Komarov and Lindgren it might be more more projects guys who have to add quite a few layers to their game before they're ready just something to yeah. think about right because now you only have Laxon Ryan Johnson a yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, Yeah, that ship, I think, I think that ship left the dock <laughs> yeah. already. So they're going to, something they're going to have to consider. And uh, hey, but things are, are made a lot easier right now for the Sabres with Rasmus Dahlian doing what he's doing. Yeah. And you know what?
0: Uh, <laughs> we're not big on the Albert Lickison train. Is that, is that what you're saying? We're no, not... he's actually, he's having a
1: good year, right? Um, <laughs> yes, he is. I, I can't. I can't sit here and tell you that his game defensively is going to be. Right. Who knows? But he looks like a guy who who might earn himself a contract, which is a lot more than we could say for William Morehead Crew, yeah. Miska Kukkonen, Linus Kronholm. Yeah. These, yeah, the the big D the class botroll that
0: that one year where he took like what four defensemen and I think three of them never got signed. Yeah. These. Oops uh but uh, by the way the clay's numbers were awesome yeah uh, can we can we give a big pat on the back to owen power for that though yeah that, I, that was 11 uh according to natural stat trick that was 11 minutes 15 at five and five together and it was and it was 16 8 in, in Corsi 4 that's two-thirds of the time uh it's two-thirds possession pretty good
1: it's pretty yeah. good i mean hey um couple of small, you know, a couple of mistakes, right? I mean, one noticeable, one that ended up in the back of the net. But, I mean, those guys hadn't played together on a deep in a game before that. That is not easy. It is not. And, uh, again, um, especially with defense, and we've seen it with and I mean, before then, Ristolainen, how it's easier to nitpick those guys' games you gotta like the the composure that power shows though like mm-hmm. a mistake like the one in the second period doesn't haunt him he his game doesn't unravel after that still plays with confidence still yeah. finds his way and uh, you know I know fans are, are look or you know you, you see some some impatience there like hey what's he doing here you know how soon until he does this? Just look at what Dalene is doing now after everybody was saying these things for a couple of years. And now mm-hmm. Daleen like if – I was going to tweet, like if people out there who aren't Sabres fans and love hockey, watch Rasmus Darlene and, and yeah. what he's doing. Like he's becoming one of those defensemen that drives play, and there aren't, there just aren't many of those guys in the league, right? I yeah. mean, you look at Cale McCarr and Adam Fox, like what Dolleen's is doing is just – it's really fun to watch, you know, just yeah. as uh, someone who enjoys enjoys watching the game and, you know, how guys play that position. Yeah, it's
0: a uh, lo- it, defenseman with swagger and that can control the control the play in the puck or are, are great. And Dalian is playing with a lot of swagger.
1: There's a ton of swagger the there. on the string, man. Yeah. What he's what he's doing and just making people look silly, um, mm-hmm. to, to create shot lanes for himself. Like that's something yeah. he just he wasn't doing, um, in previous seasons. You know, finding finding that offensive rhythm to his game where he's attacking, uh, mm-hmm. and playing with that confidence. They what Don Granado has done, what Marty Wolford has done, what Rice from has done has really un, unleashed. Whatever yeah. buddy. Well, that's that's why he was drawing the comparisons to to Nicholas or Lidstrom. He's just a special player. Uh
0: if Lidstrom ever dangled somebody, I would Ooh. I would I would have melt my brain would have melted. He was <laughs> Lidstrom was not a dangler, he was just a pure no? great defenseman.
1: He but, was just an unbelievable defenseman.
0: Right. And yeah, and honestly, there was I mean, I probably shouldn't get into it. We're already basically at the end of the, at the end of the rope here, but um but there but Darlene played a little bit on the power on Olsson's power play unit uh against Montreal. I think it was against Montreal and suddenly Olsson was getting open on that at that circle to get some shots because Darlene commands respect for his shot because he scored there from there what two three times already it's I don't know like I mean that like that cu- coupled with what happened in the overtime against Chicago makes me wonder if you just go, you just go full ham, Gunners on both sides, let Darlene, let Darlene be the conductor, and just say just like whatever, are you gonna scramble over to cover Olson or are you gonna scramble over to cover Thompson?
1: Figure it out. Good luck. There, there have been moments where Darlene's double shift and been out there with both units because yep. nobody can can break apart. <laughs> PK coverage the, the way that he can, like Owen Power is going to get to that point. But remember, I mean, he's only been on the power play for let's what ten games of his NHL career. Yeah. He didn't start on the on the, the power play when he when he first showed up and didn't really get those reps until late in the seat in the last couple games of the season. And now we see him on the second unit. So he'll develop that part of his game. In the meantime, if you need Dalene to play both, you, you see what he can do, and he could fool. He could just create time and space for the guys on the flanks, and mm-hmm. you know the next the next step once they have those those guys on the flanks firing shots and, and scoring goals, creating opportunities, you're going to start opening up you know, cousins in the middle or, or Skinner in the middle, and I mean, they've got they've got a lot of potential in the power play, and really it's all about retrievals and just making smart decisions. Now they got I think they have the, the right personnel in place that's going to make it at least get some more consistency. Yeah, um, I'm gonna make a bold
0: prediction here that when oh. we record when we record next week for next week's episode, we're gonna be talking about the big steps Owen Powers made because there was a lot yeah. I really liked in the Chicago, game. like much more aggressive offensively, much more eager to jump into the offensive play, like kind of t- you know skimming off of Darlene's notebook and taking those, taking some of those notes and using them, and uh, I. I I feel like there's going to be a little bust out coming from him soon, and I'm again, no hot take alarm, no. Okay, I'm predicting it's next week. We're going to be talking a lot more about him. That's in my thought. I think that's that's the next conversation that's going to happen.
1: We won't force it, but you know, he's been good, right? Like, don't don't get us wrong. Like, it's not like he's been bad you're just waiting yeah. for that offense to break out like i think defensively there's been a lot of really great details in his game that you don't see from 19 year old defensemen mm-hmm. you know the small stuff that have led to, he's had some bad some bad luck the puck off his skate yeah. against against canadians you know there's yeah, there's been some really fluky stuff that again you just gotta like the response you gotta like the poise the the details to help break the puck out and it, you, you hit it right and um, Helping Clay have the game that he did and really being that stabilizer on a D pair uh, Mm -hmm. when the Sabres desperately needed it. Yeah, that that shows significant growth for me. And it's just going to be little by little where he's going to add more and more. And I I agree with you with with those three defensemen and Flaushkin's out even more again. Like the more responsibility, the more puck touches, you're going to see Owen Power be more and more involved offensively. Definitely, definitely.
0: Yeah. Look at look at us pushing past our artificially set time limit, just going full content and not really.
1: Yeah, whatever. Right. It was a busy week. Got another busy one ahead. They play the what? Red Wings Monday, Penguins Wednesday, followed by the road trip. Yeah. Back to Carolina, Carolina, Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. Not an easy week. Right. But it's not an easy month. November's kind of a kind of a brutal one. Yeah, that yeah, I we won't be short on stuff to discuss
0: next week. That's for that's for damn sure um, because it's a lot of it's a lot of measurement type things there. Especially you know, well, I don't know how much of a measurement it is with the, all the guys they have out, but I don't know, man. Like that's that's a lot. And then listen, that's all that stuff this this week. Next week, Jack's back. And so are the Coyotes. So like we'll we'll have butt goal. Uh, we'll have Jack back, and then Boston on the following Saturday. Like that's oh
1: yes, Darlene Marchand. That's all, <laughs> oh, baby. Yeah, that's all I. Care oh about. man. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's all I care about. Their Our, their little beef is so is <laughs> so humorous to watch them going after each other. Man.
0: How about how about Marchand coming right back and getting three points a month?
1: Yeah, a
0: month early, and then putting three points up for three or four points up first game back. Like yeah. I, I, I get, I, I understand why everybody hates him. I get it. I understand. I fully understand and respect that. Jesus Christ, what a player! He's so good. He's yeah. so good. Kills yeah. me. It, it, it's almost. I, I always hated that uh, everybody w- would. Well, not everybody. And I'm not doing a Steph Curry here, but when people gave him the the little, you know, the little ball of hate nickname, I'm like, no, 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 no. no. That's Pat Verbeek. Respect Pat Verbeek for for having for earning that nickname. Brad Marchand is a very rightful heir to that nickname. Like if Pat Verbeek wanted to crown him and say you are the next little ball of hate, like he's earned it. But I mean, but like you get that kind of a name because you're good, you know, not because you're just some kind of prick. I mean, he he is some kind of prick, but like also he'll score, you know, he's scored 30, you know, 40 goals. Like that's, that's what he is. He's incredible.
1: Every team wants a guy like that. Like every, every team wishes they had a guy like that, but they don't, not many of them exist with that package of skills and yeah annoyance I guess is a good way to put it but
0: <laughs> well, maybe Darlene. Darlene. might be the defensive version of that guy now so yeah oh man I I'm not going to melt away time to get those games here but like man get those games here please like that's I'm like,
1: excited for Detroit I want to see what the you know yeah. I haven't been able to admittedly I haven't had the opportunity to watch much of them yet this season and I want to see mm-hmm. how the Sabres match up again especially with that Redwoods line with uh Sodor Bloom, Rasmussen and what Sunquist yeah. three massive human beings Uh is Rasmussen going to be
0: able to play? That's a good question we'll see I don't. I don't. I, but I, I don't want to see Solder Bloom, regardless. I, anybody named Elmer gets eternal respect. Okay, like that's. I mean. Bring back, bring name. back the name Elmer. Yes. Yes. Don't bring yeah, bring back Elmer. And yeah, and no, there won't, there won't be any Rasmus in that game. That'll be the second game of the suspension.
1: Lame. because
0: yeah, he got two two games for the high stick. Okay. Well,
1: yeah, I kind of
0: deserved it, but um... I, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a bummer, but like, I mean, whatever, I, there's so many fun guys in Detroit and they've been playing pretty fun. Yeah. And listen, uh, New alone is my guy. So I'm, I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see him. Like we go, we go way back. I don't get to say that about too many guys in the NHL, but like I go way back with him and I'm talking like 1990, 1997, 98, like way back. Uh, it makes me feel ancient for saying that. <laughs> it's 25 years ago. Kill me now,
1: please. Will we, That's... Will we get a Robert Haig tribute video? Uh, they better be. they better be, because
0: what do they get? Great next? guy. Great guy. Super guy. Yeah, he's yeah. A super guy. Yeah. I mean, but you know, hey, listen, I was just, I was just disappointed he never put the uh, the umlaut over his a, over the a in his name. I gotta go question him about that one. Yeah, I mean, listen. We've all found where it is in our in our character keys and our keyboards. We know we can spell it that way now. We, we, we can spell your names properly, everybody. Please let us let us do it. We can pronounce them properly too. Isak Rosane. Now yes. you're just showing off, Joe. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> let's let's leave well enough alone here. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna wrap that up. Uh, Lance. Uh, let's really put an end to this now. Uh, let everybody know where they can find your find you and your work on the internet
1: oh thank you joe uh on twitter l-l-y-s-o-w-s-k-i you can find my work in the buffalo news online and in print joe tell everybody where they can find you
0: well you can you can find me also on twitter uh at joe J O E Y E R D O N uh bleach report got a fun story coming this week because there's an anniversary coming up this week oh which maybe,
1: boy
0: which we might we should have maybe gotten into maybe we'll, i don't know we'll do it
1: next week especially with the have coming i'm glad that will wait it'll
0: it'll actually play perfect for the game that's coming up yeah
1: that next week
0: so that's good that gives it away completely listen i'm okay I'm writing a story about how the, the the eichel trade worked good for both teams okay so there there it's out there now Nobody copy me, even though I know everybody's already do, already doing their own. Honor among thieves, TV. people. Honor among right. thieves. That's right. I I put my cards on the table. You can you can read them. Uh, also find me at noted hockey. Also AP Sports, because uh yeah, sometimes I want to uh stress myself out completely and write, <laughs> write game <laughs> stories. Do at the buzzer, <laughs> and then scream scream about the stats not updating correctly. That's it's it's part of the fun of being a sports writer, kids. To um, quote
1: Bruce Willis in Die Hard. Welcome to the party, pal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say yippee-ki-yay mother.
1: (laughs) Well, that that would apply, right?
0: (laughs) Oh boy. Okay. Well, thank you, Lance. Uh, We're going to wrap it up there for, for everybody. Uh, Thanks for listening. We will, we'll be back at you next week. Obviously we, we got a lot, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. It's great. Hockey's wonderful. We, and we love you guys. So be be kind to us on the internet. Uh, We'll catch you again next week.